This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues that affect your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell, and today we're going to talk about an issue that's troublesome for parents, but heartbreaking for children. It's pediatric incontinence. Rebecca Thomas, DPT, is a physical therapist located at MidMichigan Health's Pediatric Center for Rehabilitation and Behavioral Health. Health Dose, ask Rebecca, what is pediatric incontinence? So pediatric incontinence is the lack of voluntary control over urination or defecation. So there's several different types of pediatric incontinence. However, the three main areas are going to be daytime wetting, which is enuresis, nighttime wetting, which is nocturnal enuresis, and constipation. With all three of these problems, the main thing that we're seeing is a pelvic floor dysfunction. So the pelvic floor is a group of muscles that play a role in posture, breathing, trunk stability, as well as supporting the abdominal and pelvic muscles and controlling bowel and bladder function. If those muscles are weak or spasming, it can result in pelvic floor dysfunction. It's something that's very common with pediatric incontinence being around 10 to 17% of children, although it is a little bit more common in girls than it is in boys. I guess I didn't realize incontinence extended to um, problems with defecation as well as urination. I guess I didn't realize that, but that's something that involves a lot of the same muscles. It is. So the same muscles that control urination can also help control defecation. Sometimes we'll see it where there's a lot of withholding in children. So that leads to that constipation. And if it goes on long enough, then there can be issues with leakage as well for bowel movements. So it's kind of a very broad subject. Is it fair to say that pediatric incontinence is more a physical problem than it is a behavioral problem? Yes. So most people assume that it's just the child not wanting to go, not wanting to slow down and take the time to go to the bathroom, something like that. But it's really more of a psychological and physical component versus more of a behavioral. So a lot of times we'll see that kids have those either weakness or the spasming in those muscles that make up the pelvic floor. And then when that happens, it can lead to decreased signal from the bowel or bladder to the brain telling the kid when they need to go. And if you don't have that signal, you're not going to know when you need to go. And that leads to that incontinence. So it's definitely something that is more of a physical and occasionally a psychological component. As far as constipation, that's where we'll see it appearing to be a behavioral problem, whereas it's really that psychological component. When we get constipated and there's pain associated with having a bowel movement, there's a reflex in kids that's very strong to not want to have that pain again. And they don't understand that if they just went regularly, it wouldn't be painful. So once that happens, that withholding pattern it's more of a psychological component that they're not able to control. And then the longer it goes on, the harder problem it is to fix. So it becomes a psychological problem that has its basis in an underlying physical problem. Correct. You know, potty training comes at that point where you're almost at, as a parent, that place where the child is just a little more independent, a little more, and it's a stressful time, right? Mm -hmm, At what point... At what point does a parent say, this is beyond me, I I need to be concerned, I need a professional? 
So bladder control matures around the age of four years old. So if you're still having significant problems with potty training around that time, especially getting into five or six years old, including things like difficulty urinating, frequent urination of eight or more times a day, weak stream, straining, holding, a lot of bladder infections, the constipation, or if you're having leakage with defecation, those are areas that you need to seek medical help for. So definitely bring it up to your doctor, especially like at a wild child visit or making a specific appointment for this issue. And then we'll go from there. A lot of times we can do some exercises or some different scheduling changes that helps. And other times we need a little bit more help as far as medication goes. So occasionally your doctor may prescribe some medications to help with urination or with constipation. And then also refer to either a urologist and or a physical therapist. A urologist is definitely important for really figuring out what the issue is. They can use things like ultrasound to look inside the bladder and see if there's retention of urine in the bladder and they can also look at the muscles to see if they're spasming or fully relaxing when the child is going to the bathroom and that really helps us determine the root cause of the problem if we don't get a a referral to a urologist we can still do a lot of things to help and to determine what's going on through signs and symptoms but that urologist is definitely helpful in determining the root cause As far as when they come to physical therapy, we'll go through an evaluation and check all their gross motor skills as far as strength, their coordination, balance, and then we'll look specifically at those pelvic floor muscles. So if a child comes in and they're having a lot of trouble with coordination in general, then we can infer that they may have some coordination problems with the pelvic floor muscles too, just because those pelvic floor muscles are ones that we can't physically see. Sometimes we'll use something called a biometric feedback system that will place electrodes around the anus and that can sense when there's an electrical signal from those pelvic floor muscles and it turns it into a visual signal on a screen that we can see. You're not sending electrical signals to those electrodes, you're receiving from them, correct? Correct. You're not shocking a kid's bum. No, we are not shocking bums. It is just a sensory electrode, so it just senses when there's a contraction in those muscles or when they relax, and it turns it into a visual picture that we can see. There's nothing going from the machine to the child at all. That really helps a child because, again, that muscle contraction is invisible for them to see. So if I demonstrate it, they can't see it, nor can they feel it. So in explaining to a child how to contract those muscles is very confusing. So using a picture-based system that can sense when they're doing it correctly and when they're not, A, I don't have to touch them for that, and B, they can see it and recognize when they're doing it correctly. And that really helps us get a baseline during that evaluation period, and then we can also use it during treatment to teach a child how to relax the muscles appropriate to be able to go and void, and then also how to strengthen those muscles so that when they are not wanting to void, they can control that and not have leaks. Is there a role that sleep patterns and behavioral issues play in incontinence, and how do you deal with that as a physical therapist? 
Yes. So sometimes we'll see kids that were once potty trained fully and then something, maybe they started school or they moved or had a big life event. It can be good or bad stress, and that stress can cause a child to regress in their potty training skills. When that happens, it's embarrassing for the child like it is for anybody, and that's where that psychological component starts to come in. Once they start to have that fear, it can play a role into how tense the muscles are when they're going to the bathroom and being able to relax. That can lead to some retention, which leads to the issues with leaking later on. As far as how do we deal with those problems, we definitely talk a lot to the child and try to normalize going to the bathroom, making sure they understand that the leaks that they're having is not their fault and that it's very common. Sometimes we can put them on a schedule to go to the bathroom, say every three hours, to help prevent leaks in between and then working on relaxing those muscles while they're going to the bathroom to fully empty. Sometimes we'll even work with teachers in trying to schedule bathroom breaks, especially for young children. They're usually pretty open with sending the whole class for a bathroom break every three hours so that the child isn't signaled out. And that's the really key thing there. Nobody wants to be singled out for something that they're different of. So if we can normalize it and teach them how to strengthen those muscles and fully empty, that we can definitely get the problem under control. By the time you see a pediatric patient for incontinence, the child is probably traumatized. The parents are probably, the grandparents are probably traumatized. You're dealing with a lot of stressed out people. Mm -hmm. What does physical therapy do to show us the light at the end of the tunnel? How do children benefit from the physical therapy they get from you? And what's the timeline look like? So the good news is we can have children overcoming incontinence in as little as 8 to 12 weeks with only having to do one to two sessions a week. As long as they're utilizing the home program and having that carry through at home, we see this take care of itself pretty quickly. There's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. It does take a little bit of work to get there, but we can do it. We tend to try to get them on a schedule right away. That schedule and repetition of voiding and voiding fully definitely helps. Practice makes perfect like it goes. So just that having a lot of repetition in that schedule and utilizing those skills to relax, that helps with the stress part of it. Definitely know that you're not alone in this. There's a lot of kids that have issues with going to the bathroom and potty training. There's a lot of kids out there that need a little extra help and it's not a big deal to come and get help. That is physical therapist Rebecca Thomas, DPT at MidMichigan Health's Pediatric Center for Rehabilitation and Behavioral Health. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org slash doctors. And for more information about MidMichigan's comprehensive program of physical therapy and rehabilitation, go to midmichigan.org slash rehab. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in again soon for another episode of Health Dose.